our future. But let's open up our Bibles this morning, amen. Let's get us, let's uh, uh, get into the most important part of the service. We want to thank those that are joining us online. I've, I didn't forget about you. Actually, I did, but thank you for joining us online, amen. Uh, for those of you that are watching, amen, we want to thank you. Uh, we miss you. We love you. We're praying for you, amen, and we hope to see you in the house of the Lord soon, amen. And so, um, uh, we just want to thank the Lord. There are so many signs, miracles, and wonders in this place today. You know, I, I heard somebody say, I, I, I want to go to a church where, where there are signs and miracles and wonders taking place. And I says, well, you're in one. Just look around. Every one of you is a miracle this morning. Because neither one of us deserved to be here this morning. It was a miracle that you woke up this morning. It was a sign. God said, and the sign is that you're to go out and preach my gospel. Amen. And so don't ever let somebody say, well, you know, that church is boring or nobody's being healed. Every day that we're here, every day that we're in the Lord is a blessing, is a miracle. And for those of you guys that, that got COVID and, 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 and got past it, and for those of you guys whose, whose, whose marriage God restored, and for those of you uh, ex-drug addicts, amen, who, who God stepped into your life and restored you, and, and you know, for those of you guys that don't know the gentleman that ended our prayer he is a product of, of that program just like I am. And he just got his master's degree in social work. And he's working on his, uh, on his um, licensing for that. Amen. And so I want to thank the Lord. God can turn somebody's life around. It doesn't matter. We got so many people. Amen. So many people here who if it wasn't drugs or alcohol, it was depression. It was loneliness. It was brokenness. It was something, and God came in, and he found you where you were at. And as the psalmist said, he pulled you out of a horrible pit. Amen? He turned your life around, and he set you on solid ground. Amen? And, and that's why we have to love the Lord for what he's done for us. And, and as we, we enter into the most important part of the walk, uh, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, as we, we get into what the world calls Holy Week. Amen? And so uh, we want to uh, uh, celebrate these times. Amen? Uh, we want to... Uh, uh, you know, I was as I was preparing this message and... And uh, I know that we usually have a resilient message, but, you know, I, I just gave you the resilient message, so now we can move on to another one. Amen. And uh, there are two roads that Jesus Christ walked, for those of you that don't know. A lot of people pay a lot of attention to the road to the cross. But today we're going to be talking about the road that he took into Jerusalem. Because he walked into, remember, he left Jerusalem. He left Jerusalem because his people rejected him. And he couldn't do signs, miracles, and wonders because his people didn't believe in him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. 
And so he left. And Palm Sunday is where we find Jesus Christ coming back into Jerusalem. People wanted him then. Well, I'm already getting too, too ahead. Amen. Let's get into our message, uh, our, our reading of the word. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to do some teaching this morning. Amen. As we unfold this sermon for God's honor and for God's glory. Again, we want to thank those that are online. Amen. I know you see us a little casual here uh, this morning. But it's not a suit and tie day for us. It's a jeans and t-shirt day for us. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When you have it, can you please say amen? The Bible says that when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, that Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled. Everybody say fulfilled. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey a colt the foal of a donkey so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them to do they brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and set him Jesus Christ on them and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? You ever had one of those who is this moments? Who's that? Huh? Well, who's this? Yeah, you have. So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. Just for a little bit, I want to teach this morning on this topic. On the road of humility. The road of humility and obedience leads to destiny the road of humility and obedience leads to destiny that's all right brother father we love you and we appreciate you we thank you for the reading of your word we come to you with an open heart this morning, Jesus. 
the ground is ready, the soil is ready, Lord, to receive your word this morning, Lord. Father, I pray for those that have walked in, Lord Jesus, with difficulties in their life this morning. Circumstances, Lord. I pray that they walk out of this place a little bit different than the way they walked in. With a little bit more joy and a little bit more peace. But most importantly, with a little bit more of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, as we begin this holy week towards what the world calls what the world calls Easter, amen, which is uh, leading up to God's death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen, I would like it this morning if you would just travel with me for a moment on the road that leads into Jerusalem, amen, because there were two roads uh, that Jesus Christ had to walk, amen, that were lonely roads, Amen. And uh, uh, this road that he walked into Jerusalem and then the road that he walked down Golgotha, the, the Via Della Rosa road, amen, that, that led to Calvary. Amen. And uh, we're going to get into that road next week. But this week, I want to talk to you about the, the, the road that, that leads into Jerusalem. Amen. The, the road that leads to the murder of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the, uh, the Bible speaks of two roads. For those of you that don't know, the, the Bible speaks of two roads. Everybody say two roads. Amen. Just like Jesus Christ walked two roads, you and I have two roads that, that you and I are going to have to make the decision of, of which road that we want to walk on. Which road that we want to find ourselves traveling on. Amen. And the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says that Jesus Christ says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. That's one of the roads, the wide road. It says, and broad is the road that leads to what? To destruction. And the Bible says that there are many who are going to go on that road. Because narrow is the gate and difficult. Everybody say difficult. And difficult. In other words, it's going to take some work. Difficult is the road which leads to life. And there are few who will find it. And so the road that is wide, you know, the road that, that has no stop signs, the road that, that has no speed limit, the, the road where you go and, and it's nightclub after nightclub and, and whatever it is that your flesh desires, you're going to find it on that road. And the Bible says, Jesus Christ says that many are going to go on that road. Why? Because it's an easy road to travel. Uh, it's a long 
perilous road. It's, there's no authority on that road. There's no Lord on that road. Uh, there's no uh, police on that road. There's nobody on that road uh, to tell you what not to do or to tell you what to do. You can do whatever you want. You can live how you want. Uh, you can act how you want. And Jesus Christ, many are going to travel on that road. Uh, many are going to travel. Why? Because the narrow road is difficult. Uh, it's one where it's going to take some work. Amen. Uh, it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some fasting. Uh, it's going to take some commitment. Uh, it's going to take some faithfulness to God. Uh, it's going to take God uh, lording over your life. Uh, it's going to take God telling you where to go uh, and what not to do and what to do. Uh, it's that road where you got to take off your will and put on his will. Can you say amen? And the Bible says that that's the difficult road. How many of you can attest today that have been in the Lord for just a little bit that, yes, that road, I'm on it, Pastor. I got my hand on the plow, but it's difficult. The rock, the, the dirt is hard at times, and the, and the plow jumps up and down and and my hand falls off and I grab it again uh, how many can attest that serving God is not easy why because it takes work it takes sacrifice and the bible says that there's Jesus said there's two roads one's wide where there's no rules uh, and then there's a, the 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 narrow one where where you can't live a lawless life where you you have to be obedient you you have to do certain things uh, and so we find that there's a road that leads to destruction uh, that many will find uh, and then there's a road that leads to life uh, that few will find but this particular road that I want want to talk to you about this morning is a road of passion you know a lot of people say that this is passion week holy week and passion week and you guys remember the passion of the christ amen when that movie came out and so this particular road is one of passion because if there's anything that characterizes uh, uh, this road is, is God's love and God's passion for mankind. God's love and God's his passion for, for you and I. For our children. And it was that love and it was that passion that, that caused uh, uh, Jesus Christ to walk into that, that, to walk that road into Jerusalem. Why? Because he had you and he had me on his mind. Amen. It was this love and passion that, that motivated and, and it, it, it inspired the disciples that hung out with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that they were with him for three and a half years. They walked with him. They, they built a relationship with him. They, they sat down and ate food with him and they 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 went where he went they followed him they watched him they they prayed they did everything that Jesus Christ did and so it was this love and this this passion that that motivated them that that pushed them and inspired them to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
And we know this because the Bible says that after the ascension of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that after he gave them instructions to go into all nations, baptizing everybody in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, he says, I want you to go and make disciples. And it was that love and it was that passion that that they saw the love and the passion that God had for the people. And can I tell you, church, that that's what it's all about? It's all about the people. It's about the love and the compassion that you and I can have for others. Not Yes, we love each other and, and we have passion for each other, but we all have a relationship with each other. It's time to go and show them what a loving and compassionate uh, relationship looks like. Amen? And to go and, 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 and to, to spread the gospel into all the world. And what is the gospel, some might say? Well, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, which is repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and, and living a blameless and godly and, and resurrected life in the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel. You know, a lot of people make it too difficult, uh, and they start talking about things that they can't do no more. Uh, oh, man, you ever go up to somebody, and uh, you want to serve the Lord? Well, you're going to have to do this, and you're going to have to do this, and you can't dress like that, and you can't watch that, and you can't hear that, and you can't do Oh, man, forget that. I'm leaving. You ever run into somebody like that? They give you the do's and the don'ts. Instead of talking to you about the gospel, about God loved you so much that he died for you. God loved you so much that he, he went to that cross for you. That God loved you so much that he, he hung on that cross for your sins uh, even before you were born. That's love. When you find out that somebody died for you, that somebody took, how many of you would have liked to have been on that cross? But he did it for us. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news is that you don't have to hang on the cross. That he already did it for you. And the good news is the death and the burial and the resurrection, which is repentance. Why? Because we die to ourselves. Uh, and then burial is what? It's baptism. Why? He says, because those that are buried with me in baptism. Amen. And then we're resurrected in a new life, in the Holy Ghost, a godly life. Why? Because now we have that power of the Holy Ghost to, to keep us from sin, to put down that flesh that wants to take over, that'll give us the power to live a godly and holy life. Amen. And so this is the same passion that you and I should have for what he has done for us. Can you say amen? 
Amen. It is the same passion that you and I should have for what he's done for us. But in order for you and I to get there, in order for you and for me to have that same love and compassion for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must see like Jesus. We must hear like Jesus. We must talk like Jesus. We must walk like Jesus. We must live like Jesus. We must act like Jesus. We must respond. Oh, come on, somebody. We must respond like Jesus. We must be like Jesus. We must put on Jesus. Amen. In order for us to have that life, we have to be like Jesus. Because if if I be like Larry, you're all doomed. She said, yep. Amen. If if I say you got to be like me, you're done. You're going to Hades. See, we got kids. Right? But he says, put on, put, put me on. Just like you put on that shirt. Just like you put on that dress. Just like you put on those pants. He says, put me on. And when you put me on, your life is going to be different. Amen. It's going to be different. But putting on this clothes took some work. Amen. Putting on these shoes took some work. It, it took some work. Believe me. It took some work. Amen. I keep telling my wife, buy me slip-ons. Amen. It takes work. Okay. It takes work. And so in order for us to, to do these things, we must walk the same road that Jesus Christ walked. Amen. And it was on that lonely road where Jesus Christ experienced three things that I want to talk to you about today. Where he experienced humility. Where he experienced obedience which led to his destiny. Because, remember, he was Jesus Christ as a man. But we know, we know he was God manifested in the flesh. Can you say amen? We know that he was God robed in the flesh. Okay? But as a man, he had to suffer and endure the same things that you and I suffer and endure. Otherwise, how would he have been the, the example to follow? And so on this road, he, he had to do several things. And on this road, the first thing that he had to do that he learned on this road. We're doing some teaching today. The first thing that he experienced on this road was humility. Everybody say humility. Everybody say humility. Amen. Because in the Bible, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says this. It says, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, the Bible says Jesus sent two disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her 
loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say to them, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Now, I thought about that. So I was reading that. I thought about that. And I gave it a lot of, of thought. And, 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 and I, I kind of figured that others would think the same way. Because when you, when you think of a, of a king of kings and you think of a, a lord of lords, you don't think donkey. Amen. Well, when you think of, of king of kings or a, a lord of lords, amen, your first thought is it's not one of, of humility. It's not one of humility. As a matter of fact, you, you think prestige. Amen. You think big and glorious and you think splendor and, and pageantry and pomp. Amen. When you think of a king or when you think of a lord, you think of these things. You, you think of, of conquering and, and lording over. And so as the people celebrated and, and lined the road into Jerusalem, there was over two million people. Amen. As they, as they lined the road in, in celebration, uh, they, they were lining it with, with a, an expectation in their heart. And they were telling each other, this is it. Here comes the king. You ever been there? You ever seen somebody famous? Ever been down to, to, to a, a, a ball game or your favorite sports, uh, football, baseball, basketball, and, and you're on the sideline and, and you're just waiting for your player to run by you or to walk by you? Maybe you could touch his arm or, or do something. And, and, and you, know, the, you know, so-and-so is coming through the, 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 the walkway. So-and-so is coming through you. And people pay a lot of money for that. And so can you imagine over 2 million people lining the road saying, this is it. People shouted. They were expecting the king of kings and the lord of lords to roll in like President Biden. They were waiting for an entourage. They were waiting for, for a police escort. They were waiting for a fire truck and an ambulance. And they were waiting for this big old show to happen because the king of kings and the, the lord of lords was walking in because that's what the world expects. The world expects the, 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 the flashy car and the, and the big shiny wheels. Uh, amen. That's the expectation of the world when, when somebody big is coming in. And they shouted and they chanted, the, the king is coming, the king is coming. But you see, Jesus Christ was trying to show us uh, that we don't need to try to keep up with the Joneses. Because for the people in the world, it's all about material. You know, the world tells you that the one with the most toys wins. Wins what? What do they win? Can't take it with you. It ain't going to save you. 
Because the Bible says that what profit a man if he gained the whole world? But then in the end, he loses his soul. And so they were expecting this this king, they were expecting this Lord to to roll up with an entourage, to roll in with this big, huge army. They they were waiting for him to, to roll up in this big, white, blazing stallion. But he didn't come in wealth. He came in poverty. He wasn't seeking the spotlight. He was meek and he was mild. He wasn't coming in fortune and fame. He was coming in humility. And all throughout Brother Ernest, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus describes his kingdom as one of servanthood and one of humility. Everybody say servanthood. Everybody say humility. That's what his kingdom was about. And he proves it to us in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says that at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called the little child. Come up here, Levi, please. Stand right here with me. Then Jesus called the little child to him, set him in the midst. He's in the midst. Of them and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So let me set you in the midst of the people. Levi is in the midst of the people. And the disciples were going to Jesus and saying, Hey, who's Who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And you know what Jesus did? He told the little child, come here. And he got the little child and he put him in the midst of the people. And he said, the one that humbles himself like this little child. Why do you think he said that? Levi, do you do everything your parents ask you to do? Right? Huh? Huh? Well, he's not a li- exactly. He hum- he's not a liar. Amen. Wrong kid. Give me an obedient kid up here. Amen. Jaden, sit down, brother. Huh? But he said, the one that humbles himself like this. You know what this little child does? He learns from his parents. He watches his parents. Whatever his parents say, he's going to say. And what his parents do, if his parents are hard workers, he's going to grow up to be a hard worker. If his parents are good people, he's going to grow up to be good. The help of the Lord. Okay? And so he says, look, if you can allow yourself to be like 
them. If you can allow yourself to be taught, do you ever get in trouble? Yeah, probably a lot, huh? A lot. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. Because we're live. Okay. But you see, he allows himself, Brother Greg, to be taught. Right? You can sit Levi down and you can teach him. And that's what the Lord was saying. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you, whether you're 20, whether you're 30, whether you're 50, 60, 70, doesn't matter. If you will allow me, he says, my word, if you will allow me to teach you, and if you would learn like this little child at whatever age you are, then you're going to be the greatest in my kingdom. Because God's looking for people that can that are teachable. You know, the, the hardest people to work with are those that cannot be taught. That will not allow themselves. That know everything. I know. I know. I know. You don't even finish the sentence. I know. I know. And we're living in a generation where everybody knows everything. Amen. Hey, brother. I know. You don't even know what I was going to say. I, I know, but I know. Whoa, whoa, man, that guy's good. And then you come back and it's not done, and you're like, hey, what happened? Why well, no? Well, no, you don't know because it didn't get done. Amen, she says. Amen. All right, brother, show's over. But I, I, I like that. I like that. And I used my imagination. We've been talking about using our imagination when we read the word of God. And I, I thought to myself, man, that's powerful. That he, he said, hold on, save that thought. Come here, little boy. Let me show you what it is to be, to be great in my kingdom. If you can humble yourself like him, if you can be corrected like this child, if you can be chastised like this child, if you can be taught like this child, if you can be spoken to like this child, if you can be led like this child, then you're going to be great in my kingdom. Amen. That's what he says. And so, you know, you don't, when you take your kids out, you don't let them run all over the place and go into that store and go into that store and you go into Fry's and he says, hey, he's, he's five, six years old. Hey, I'm going to go in the shoe store next door. No, you're not. Get over here. I'm going to go check out some shoes. No, you get over here. And that's what God says when we say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go check that out. No, you're not. Get over here. And we kick and we do all kinds of things. But we go, why? right? Because we want to be great. And that's what God calls humility. And you know, it's the hardest thing, man, I'm going to put us on blast. It's the hardest thing for us to do is to humble ourselves, especially under another man. <laughs> under our wives, that's easy. I humble myself under my wife all the time. She cooks for me. She loves me. She does all kinds of stuff for me. Amen. But not, that's not just why, honey. <laughs> but you see, it's hard for us to, to humble ourselves under someone. And he says, but if you can humble yourself under me, 
under me, under my word, then you're going to be the greatest. You see, he rolled into Jerusalem this way on a donkey to show the people what the kingdom looked like. What it was going to be like. You know, and uh, MacArthur, MacArthur says this in his commentary, Bible commentary. He says, none of the disciples, none of them, including the two that were sent for the donkey, understood the Lord's purpose in this event or in other events in the coming week. They didn't understand it. And we know that to be true. Because in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 24 through 27, they were fighting against each other at the table. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They were arguing at the supper, at the last supper, they were arguing at the table. And Jesus says this in Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. We're talking about humility and how it, it, it plays a, a, a role in, in our walk for us to be great in the kingdom of God. You're not great. If you can't be taught, you're not great and you'll never be great because you know everything. But he says, but if you'll allow me to teach you, then you'll be great. It's like in our jobs, right? We don't go into our jobs already knowing how to do it, right? We might have had some experience or, or might have been able to do certain things on a computer, amen? But when it came to that job, you needed training, amen? You needed to go through training. And you had to, you didn't tell your boss, oh, yeah, I already know how to do it. No, you allowed your boss to show you. You allowed your boss to teach you. And at times, you even allowed your boss to correct you. And I always scratch my head and I wonder, how come we don't talk to our boss the way we talk to God? How come we don't treat our bosses the way we treat God? When all he's trying to do is teach us the same way our bosses are trying to teach us. Oh, that's another preaching. Amen. But let's get to the scripture. In Luke 22, 24 through 27, we're teaching this morning. He was trying to teach them to be humble because these two guys, these disciples were at the table fighting. They were fighting like two kids. They were fighting. The Bible says that there was a dispute among them as to which one of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise, Lord, exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he says, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? He says, is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. You see, most people want to sit at the table. 
Everybody wants to sit at the table. Everybody wants to eat the meal. They want to sit at the table and they want to, they want to eat the meal and complain about how the meal tastes and how the meal was cooked. Amen? Everybody wants to sit at the table. You see, he was telling the disciples, I didn't see you show up to set up this table. I didn't see you show up to pull out some chairs. I didn't see you cooking the meal or pouring the Kool-Aid or putting out the utensils. But they were fighting there, arguing over who was going to be greatest when they hadn't even served. And that's what God was saying. There's too many people that are, are trying to come in and sit at the table while everybody else is serving and cooking the meal and pouring the drinks and waiting the table. They just want to come in. I can imagine these two guys. I can imagine these two guys, these two grown men sitting at the table fighting over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Talking about each other, judging each other, hallelujah, judging each other as if they were the standard. Amen? As if they were the standard. I can teach better than you. I can preach better than you. God speaks to me more than he speaks to you. I pray louder than you. But neither one of those two guys were there to set up the table. Neither one of them humbled themselves to get up and to serve. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on. We want to be great and we want to do great things and, and we want to be the head of this and we want to be the head of that and I want to be the director of this and I want to be the assistant pastor and I want to be the pastor but you won't serve anybody at the table. Uh, you won't pull out no chairs. Uh, you won't go knock on no doors. Uh, you won't take time off from work uh, to be in an activity but you take time off uh, to go to other things that have nothing to do with God. But I'm greater than you. You ain't the standard. He is the standard. And he's the one that says, if you want to sit at this table, you better serve it first. <laughs> Humility like a child. Amen. They were bickering these two guys. Fighting about who's greater. I'm greater. Let's arm wrestle. Hey Amen, Brother Johnson. There was no humility. None whatsoever. And God said, if you want to be great in my, my, don't, be humble. And serve. That's why we're here, Church. You know, I'm, yes, I'm the pastor of the church, but you know what? I'm always, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm always getting in trouble for doing the work. And you know what I tell the brothers? I go, when I can't do it no more, I'll let you know when I can't do it no more. 
and I'll be there with a dolly and I'll be setting up tents and I'll be huffing tables and I'll be pulling out chairs and I'll be serving meals. And, and then lay after everybody is served, then you can sit down and serve yourself. And that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Humility. But these two guys wanted to roll up and, and, and walk in like this with their, with their chest up and that little, that little hop in their walk and, and, and sit me down. And, hey, let me get some of that purple drink over there. Come on, man. Let me get some tortillas. Where are the tortillas at? How come they're not? They should already be on the table. Well, there's no salsa with this food? But they didn't cook nothing. They hadn't made no tortillas yet. You know what somebody, my mom used to say, you're going to eat what's on the table. If you want something else, go make it. Amen. And that's what God was trying to, that's, that's what we learn on this road. We learn to be humble. When a person is humble, he doesn't has, or she doesn't have her or his eyes on somebody else. Their eyes are fixed on who can I serve? That's it, that's it. Who can I serve? Where can I go? Where do you need me? What do I got to do? That's it. And that's what God was saying to these guys. This goes back way then. It doesn't just start, you know, in this century. This goes way back when. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. Amen. So the road to the cross requires humility. 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 God's kingdom is servanthood. You know, one of the greatest things I, you know what I, I, I love so much about when I came to the Lord and I went through this, uh, through the program called Lifeline Outreach. I, I loved it so much because you know what they taught you there? They taught you to serve. Serve. Sir, don't matter. Set up the tables over there. Set them. Oh, you know what? We made a mistake. We got to take them all the way across the park. Okay, tear them down. Let's take them over there and set them back up. Oh, you know what, brother? Man, they changed it up on us again. We, they want it in the back of the park. All right, take down the tents, take down the chairs, stack up the tables. Run them over there and say, oh, you know what? They canceled the event. Let's load everything back up in the trailer and take it back to the church. All right, well, let's do it. Service. Serve. You know, I started volunteering at this. Uh, and again, I'm not patting myself on the back. I just love to serve. And we started doing this mobile shower unit for the homeless every second Tuesday and every fourth Tuesday of the month at the Salvation Army. It, for those of you that know of any homeless people in Surprise, send them over there. Every Tuesday, every second Tuesday and every fourth Tuesday, we're running mobile shower units. The City of Surprise, the Church of the Palms, the Salvation Army. Uh, there's a mobile wellness clinic there. Amen. There's even a, a veterinarian thing right there because you know how a lot of homeless people have uh, pet dogs and pets. And they get checked out too. And I'm there with, with a bunch of retired people. They're all retired. I'm the youngest one there. And they love that I'm there because I'm everywhere. I'll set up tables. I'll set up the trailer. I'll tear down the trailer. I'll 
turn on the generator. I'll do this. When the homeless people come, I'm right there front and center. Hey, what do you need? I need this. I need this. I need this. Okay, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. Just serving the people. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Just looking, running for ways to be front and center, to be there. Even if you're not used at that moment, at least they know you're there. Amen? Amen. And so on that road, we learn humility. And we also learn obedience. Amen. Because in Matthew chapter 21, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says that the disciples went and did just as Jesus commanded them to do. They went and got the donkey and they went and got the colt. And they laid their stuff, their, their, their clothes on them and they set the Lord on them. Jesus instructed and they obeyed. And so on this road, we find it to be, uh, we learn how to be humble on this road and we learn how to be obedient on this road. You see, they, they, although the disciples, they didn't understand what was going on and why they were being sent for a donkey and a colt, but they didn't question the authority. They obeyed their authority. They obeyed those that were over them. Amen? You know, there could be a... a, a, a you ever gone to a, a, an intersection where there's an accident and, and there's police officers that are there and they're directing the traffic? What is the first thing you do when you see an officer standing in the road? You stop. Right? You should. You better. You got an, a 90-pound police officer, a woman, standing in the middle of the road like this telling you to stop. You're going to stop. And you're not stopping because of how big she is, but you're stopping because of the authority that's backing her. Amen? She physically is not stopping you. Her authority is stopping you. So you're not obeying the person. You're obeying the authority that they have. And so these Two disciples, although they didn't understand, and they probably walked amongst each other like, why does he want us to go get a donkey and a colt? But nevertheless, they did it. They were obedient to what God commanded them to do. And so on this road into Jerusalem, before going into the cross, God is leaving you and I, the church, some things that you and I have to get right before we can get to the cross. And he says, you got to be humble like a child, and you got to be obedient to your authorities. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. So my question today is, are you willing to obey? Are you willing to be obedient to those, to God, and to those that God puts over you? I had somebody tell me one time, and, and uh, you know, they, they're not here with us no more. And they said, you know, pastor, it's just hard for me to submit unto you because I'm older than you. And I said, well, I'm not here to parent you. Amen. 
I'm here to preach to you the word. You're not obeying me as a man. You're obeying the authority that God has given to me. Amen? Amen. And you see, a lot of people look at it that, well, well he's older, than, he's, he's, old, he's younger than me. I can't submit myself under his authority. But it's not my authority that you're submitting under. It's God's authority that you're submitting under. Amen? And so when we can learn how to be obedient to what God wants for us in our life, then you and I can be great in the kingdom of God because that's what it was all about. That's what he was showing us on this road. Why do you think he told the disciples to go? He commanded them. Remember, God was, he, Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. He could have got anything he wanted at the snap of his fingers. He was teaching us lessons of how to be humble and how to be meek and how to be mild and how to be obedient and how to love and how to have compassion. Why? Because we need all these things to be relational. Can you say amen? And he showed us that in the book of John chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will. Hold on a second. That's Jesus saying that. Remember, Jesus had all power and all authority, didn't he? But even Jesus submit to the Father's will. Amen? That's what he says. That's what he says. He says, I come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And so forget about your will. Your will does not matter in this at all. I'm going to do my will. Well, adios. See how far that gets you. Because even Jesus Christ says, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of my father. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to do my will because my will messed things up. I want to do the will of my Father. Amen. That's what he, that's what he said. He said, so this was, this was God manifesting in the flesh. He was still obedient. And so on this road, we find humility, obedience, which leads to our destiny. Everybody say destiny. Amen. As we come to a close, I'm going to hit on this point really quick. Amen. In the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 8 through 11. The Bible says that a great multitude, they began to take off, they began to bring clothes and lay them on the road. And I thought to myself, why would they do that? Why would they lay clothes on the road? Why would they lay palms on the road? A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before him and those who followed him cried out saying, Hosanna! 
to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered into Jerusalem, all of the city was moved. Saying, who is this? Now, I don't want to get into that who is this because that's a whole, a whole different preaching. You can already see the attitude in that. And we walked in. Who is this? But you need to imagine the scene. Imagine you're one of the people on the road. Either you're following him or you're in front of him. Imagine you're the one laying down the clothes or cutting the palm and putting it on the floor. I thought to myself, why are they doing that? Why are they covering the ground? And the Lord began to show me that that road was not like the roads that you and I walk on. That road was a dirty road. And this was their king. And they didn't want their king dirting his feet. It was all a gesture of what their destiny was going to be. the love and the adoration that they had for somebody that was going to deliver them. And they began to cover the floor. And they began to shout and they began to chant. The king is coming! The king is coming! He was their destiny! He was their predetermined course of events. That's what destiny means. But you see, you and I are not looking to the same destiny that they were looking to at that time. You see, I don't want to get into to the crowd because the crowd was evil. Because the crowd changed. Changed. One minute they were laying down clothes and palms. And chanting, save us! Hosanna! In the highest! The king is coming to crucify him! Kill him! The same crowd. And I don't want to get into that. We're going to get into that next week. So you need to be here next week. But they were looking for him to be their destiny, to deliver them. But they weren't looking to be delivered from sin. They were looking to be delivered from Roman rule. And when they found out, when God says, I'm going to deliver you from something greater than that, which is your sin, the crowd turned on him. 
and murdered him. And so my question to you today is, what is your destiny? Are you looking for the things of the world? Are you looking for the destiny of the world? Are you looking for the destiny of deliverance from sin? The destiny of Jesus Christ was to save them from their sin. And if you and I are going to walk this road of humility and and obedience, then, then our predetermined course, our destiny, has to be one of redemption. It has to be one of, of transformation. And it has to be one of deliverance of sin. I know that there are some people in the crowd right now and they're, you know, sin is, you know, when you, when you think about sin, a lot of people right away, they think about adultery or they think about uh, fornication or they, they think about robbing and stealing and drinking and they think about all that things. No, but what about your attitude? What about our attitude? What about our thoughts? What about our ungodly thoughts? What about those things we do when nobody's watching? What about those things we say? That's what God was trying to deliver them from was was their sin. Don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at the pressures. Don't look. They wanted to be delivered from their circumstances. But they didn't want to be delivered from their sin. And so you and I, as we roll into this week, as we walk into this holy week, think about, really, think about why God did what he did for you and I. Because if we really get down to the root of it, and we hit that sin, uh, we hit it, a lot of what goes on in our life will go away. say amen and so so my words to you to God's words to you today are do do you want to be great in my kingdom if you do humble yourself be obedient and let your destiny be one of being free of sin. Can we all stand to our feet? You know, some time ago we had a... We're going to open up the altar. I feel in my spirit we need an altar call. This altar needs to be opened. There has to be a release of sin, of thoughts, of actions, of gestures. You know, we were with the man a few weeks ago, and and Brother Ernest gave a message, and I came up behind him, and I asked one very simple question to the men. 
I said, what do you want your, what do you want your tree to look like this year? Because each and every one of us, even the children, each and every one of us is a tree. We are all a tree that is supposed to be bearing fruit. We are all a tree that is supposed to be bringing shade. But in order for that tree to bring shade and to bring fruit, it needs to go through a pruning at times and a cutting away. And so my question to you today is, after hearing this, what do you want your tree to look like? I'll tell you how I want my tree to look like. I want my tree to be one of the biggest ones on the block. So big that a hundred people can come under it and have shade and pick fruit right off of it and eat of it. But we're not going to have that type of tree. We're not going to be that type of tree if we're not humble and we're not obedient. That will not be our destiny. If you desire that to be your destiny, then I ask you to come to this altar this morning. This altar is open.